So are you ready for Christmas this year? Yes, you are. Okay, very good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And so as Christmas is coming, I'd like to just take a, a little moment, a time for us to review and to reflect on why we celebrate Christmas. So to do that, would you turn with me to Isaiah 61? Isaiah 61, turn to your Bibles. It can be digital. It can be hard copy. If you don't have your Bibles with you, share with your neighbor. Really want you to look at the Word of the God of the Lord this morning and just reflect on these scriptures in Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. And if you are there, say, got it. Can't hear you. If you are there, say, got it. All right. So if you are there, read together with me. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. And this is what the Word of God says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. This is the prophetic word from Isaiah that he spoke forth about the coming Messiah, about the Savior. And it is the fulfilled word because Jesus came to fulfill all this that was spoken. In fact, he even re-spoke these scriptures and, uh, and quoted these scriptures in the book of Luke before he went on to the cross. And only Jesus himself, only Jesus can be appointed. Only Jesus is anointed. And only Jesus himself qualifies to do all these things for us. Why? Because it says here that the Spirit of the Lord is upon the Lord Jesus Christ because He is anointed by His heavenly Father to do these things, to proclaim the good news, to bind the brokenhearted, to set us free from captivity, to bring us out of darkness, to proclaim His favor upon us. And He goes on to say this, to comfort all. Will you say with me, all? All, all is all. It means regardless whether you are young or you are older. Regardless of whether you are male or female. And it doesn't matter your gender or your race. Jesus came for all. And we have been in mourning. And we have been in grieving. Why? When we did not have Jesus in our lives, we were destined for death. But with Jesus, He has come. He has come to give us eternal life. And so we, we are no longer in a time of mourning. But we can look forward to an eternity in the presence of a mighty God. And we are no longer in a time of grieving. People who grieve are people who have no hope. People who grieve have a sense that there is no brightness, no nothing to look forward to. And when you grieve, it is a down and despair feeling. But Jesus came and said that you no longer had to have to grieve. Because in exchange, when I took the place on the cross, in the death and the resurrection of Christ, comes this promise for us that He says this in the Word of God, that to bestow on them 
a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Ashes represent death. Ashes represent hopelessness. Ashes represent unworthiness. But when Christ took our place on the cross, He crowned us with beauty. Beloved, would you turn to one another? Church, turn to one another and say, you are beautiful. You are beautiful because Jesus has bestowed beauty upon you. I see all the guys are all, they want to say, you know. But it's true. It's what the Word of God says, that you are beautiful. In our ashes, He has redeemed us and bestowed upon us a crown of beauty. And He goes on to say, that the oil of joy instead of mourning. No longer are you in a life where there is no hope and no future and only death in sight. With Jesus in our lives, we now have hope. We now have a future. We now have an eternity that we can look forward to. And the oil of joy is upon us. And he goes on to say that instead of a spirit of despair, instead of a spirit of downcastedness, instead of being burdened and unhappy, God is saying there will be upon you a garment of praise. Why? So that you may become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Oaks are trees that are huge. They are very large. And on average, a regular oak tree can live 200 years, but there are oak trees that last up to 1,000 years. And they are very wide in diameter, making them strong and sturdy. A large oak tree can be up to 90 feet in diameter, and the span of its branches, 135 feet. And I think if you look at an oak tree, you'll be as large as this building. And that's what you are meant to be. You're meant to be like an oak tree sturdy in the Lord, strong in God, deep in your roots, and for the purpose of being a display of the splendor of a mighty king. You are the display of his splendor. In the sight of God, you are beautiful. In the sight of God, you are majestic. In the sight of God, you are loved. And I want to emphasize today about the garment of praise. Why is it called a garment of praise? Because it means this, a garment is like clothing, it's like a robe, it has to be put on. So praise needs to be put on. That's why today's sermon is entitled, Put Your Praise On. Because you need to put your praise on. When you put your praise on, the promise of God is this, that comes together with it is the oil of joy and a bestowing of the crown of beauty. So it's easy, I think you will agree with me, to praise God when all things are well, things are good, they're going as planned, there are no interruptions, and all is under control, right? So easy for you to give praises unto the Lord when everything is fine. But what if it is not fine? What if it is challenging? What if it was unforeseen, unexpected, and you are unsure or uncertain, and you are stepping into the unknown. What if when life takes an unexpected turn, you did not see it coming, and suddenly something happens, and the unforeseen happens. You didn't anticipate it. You didn't think that this would happen, but yet it happened. And there was a sudden attack or onslaught of the enemy. 
Do you know that the enemy doesn't show you ahead of time that he's going to attack you? He's an enemy like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So this enemy that we have, which is Satan, will come at any time and he will be like an onslaught. You don't know when it's going to happen. You can't anticipate it. At times like that, when you feel like when there is no way out, I really don't know how this is going to work out. How is it going to turn out? Is it going to be a positive outcome? Will there be something good that comes out of this? In the unforeseen, in the unexpected, in the unknown, in the uncertainty, will you still be able to praise God? That's why praise needs to be put on like a garment because it's a conscious, it's a deliberate action and it's to be taken on even when you don't feel like it. Because in the natural, when things are not going our way, it is not our natural response to praise. It will be our natural response to complain, to murmur, to be disgruntled. But God is saying, put on your praise. Because great things happen when you put on your praise. I want to go through the book of Psalms, which is a great place for us to take some lessons on praise. And here in the book of Psalms, it talks about how and when, why we should praise God. And there are three words in the Hebrew, in the Bible, that describes the word praise. And it comes in the manner of these three words that says yada, zama, and halal. And halal is the root word from when we say hallelujah. So halal is the root word for hallelujah. And all these three words have something in common. They lead to an expression of giving thanks and honour to the one who is most deserving of acclamations. And so when we give praise unto the Lord, we are saying, God, I'm giving you thanks. God, I'm honouring you in this situation. I'm acclaiming you the highest over this because your praise, this praise is due unto you. This is what happens when we praise God. So in the book of Psalms, it overflows with David's praises and his songs to God. And David praises God repeatedly because God is righteous, because God is powerful, because God is a deliverer, and because God is holy. He goes on through the Psalms to proclaim. A proclamation is making it known. A proclamation is making it loudly said out, loudly sung out, loudly expressed with elation and reputation. So elation means this, excitement. So when David praised God, it was with elation. It was with an excitement and it was with repetition because over and over and over again, out of the overflow of his heart, he began to praise the Lord. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. And this is written in Psalm 47 verse 6 to 7. If you look at Psalm 150, it's a very helpful instructor of when we are to, why and how we can praise God. And the first verse goes like this. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. You might even be familiar of it in a song that was the verses put into a song by Hillsongs. Praise Him in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the mighty heavens. Praise Him. 
All the earth praise Him. So where do you praise God? You can praise God anywhere. You can praise Him in the sanctuary of your bedroom. You can praise Him in the highest of the heavens. Wherever you are, you are to praise the Lord. You can praise God because He is present to hear. The second verse states that we praise Him for His mighty deeds and according to His excellent greatness. Our God is a great God and worthy of our praises. Psalm 153-6 goes on to emphasize that we praise God even with instruments. So as we worship the Lord this morning with the instruments, with our singing, with our movements, with our expressions, it is all praise that is due unto Him. We should praise Him with every means of our expression. Because the chorus of the song goes this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord forever. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. May I ask you this morning, do you have breath? Are you breathing, church? My friends, uh, is there breath? Can you want to touch the person next to you? Check if you not got breath. <laughs> so if you have breath, then let me remind you, you are created. You were redeemed. God, so that you can give praises to your mighty God. So that you can give praises to the God, the Creator God who made you wonderfully and perfectly and fearfully. God loves you and He's worthy of our praise. So we are to praise God whenever. We are to praise God with all our being. We are praising God because He is worthy. And this psalm also gives an example of when we are to praise God. And David praises God when he is joyful when he is fearful, when he is angry. And he demonstrates that in every situation, every situation, say with me, every situation, in every situation offers an opportunity for you and I to praise God. That's what David is giving an example for us to do. William Law, who is a pastor in the 18th century, said this, if anyone could tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness and perfection, he must tell you to make it a rule to yourself to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you turn it into a blessing. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you turn it into a blessing. Church, it is time for us to put on our praise. Let me ask you this question. If I were to give you one word to, uh, to describe this entire year, what would that word be? Just think about it a moment. Just one word. To express what has the year been for you like? I'm so tempted to come down and ask you. Can I? I want to. Sister Naomi, Pastor George's wife. <laughs> One word. Describe this year for you. Amazing. Amazing. Wonderful. How about this sister over here? One word. Uh, it's good. Like, it's a good year. Oh, but, but a good year is not one word. One word. Uh, it's 
wonderful. Wonderful, amazing, wonderful. Over here, Pastor Linda, I'd like to ask her. She's very good. <laughs> One word. Don't give me, don't give me long sentence. Ah. Blessed. She's blessed, amazing, wonderful. But I will honest, be very honest with you that this year, the word for me is unexpected. It has been a year filled with unexpected, unexpected happenings. Uh, May, our change of government in month of May was unexpected for me. Me of little faith, uh, but so thankful that God intervened and turned our nation around. Amen. But also in the month of May was when my dad had a situation uh, and some of you would have known, uh, most of you know that my dad passed away two and a half months ago. And I just want to take this time to thank all of you. My family and I are so grateful and so appreciative for the love, the care that you have all shown to us. Uh, truly, during that time, your support meant so much to me. And I am so blessed. I truly am so blessed to belong in this Glad Tidings family. So thank you so much for your support. On the day that the first wake service, I warned and told my parents, my family, you know, that um, it would probably be a lot of people. And so it took a while for us, for the condolences to be extended. And then my brothers who are yet to be believers, so do pray for them. They turned to me and said, Karen, what you do? You ask the whole church to come, is it? I said, no, I didn't ask the whole church to come. But it is a demonstration and a, a show of your love. So thank you so much for your love and support. Truly, we are grateful. And so in the month of May was a time where I got a phone call and it was very unexpected because in 80 years of his life, my dad had only been to the hospital once. And that was because of a heart condition. He was hospitalized for one day and after that, he's been in good health. So in May, at the end of May, the phone call came that my dad was passing out blood and it was pure blood. And so he had to be immediately admitted. And so we brought him to the hospital and the doctor said, we have to put him on uh, the, the cause of the um, bleeding is from the kidneys. And so we have to flush his system. And so they admitted him and they flushed his system and the bleeding would not stop. And we are talking about pure blood. So can you imagine when you urinate and it's just pure blood? That's it. There's no urine, it's just pure blood. It was a very... A worrying condition and we just had to wait and we prayed and we prayed and we were just hoping that you know God would do something because each time we asked the doctors can you do something about this they will say no we can't no medication can stop the bleeding and it's not appropriate to go into surgery because of his age and so we felt very helpless and very hopeless at that moment because the bleeding would not stop and I looked at the doctor and said you mean you just want to let him bleed like this uh? What's going to happen with the continual bleeding? And it went on for one week. And after a week, I went to prayer meeting on a Wednesday, corporate prayer. And during the time of worship, God spoke to me and said, Karen, do you believe that I can do all things? And I, I reflected and I paused and I thought about it. And I said, God, yes, you can do all things. But, but the doctors say that no medication can help. But the prognosis is that he's bleeding very badly internally. Nothing can be done. But, and there were so many buts that filled my mind. And again, the word of God came to my heart asking me, Karen, do you believe that I can do all things? And then I reflected for a moment. 
and I thought of how I was saved. It was a miracle that I've come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I was a medium before. I prayed to so many idols. I was dedicated to so many demonic idols. And yet, God saved me. When I was unworthy, yet God can call me into full-time ministry. So I reflected on all the good things that God has done in my life and I began to declare, yes, God. Yes, in you, all things are possible. Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you can do all things. Yes, God, I believe that you can touch my Father. Faith begin to arise in my heart. Praises begin to flow from my lips. And that night after prayer meeting, I went home, feeling a burden having lifted from me, feeling a peace upon my life, knowing that whatever the outcome may be, whatever tomorrow holds, I did not need to be fearful but I could rest in this God of peace, a God of assurance that He is with me, that He will not leave me and will not forsake my family. Would you believe this? The next day, I went back to the hospital, the bleeding stops. The bleeding stops. And this is what praise can do. Praise can lift us up. Praise can turn the situation around. And so we begin to praise God, and I will share this with you. My dad went home to the Lord two and a half months ago, and from that day where he stopped bleeding till the day he went home to the Lord, he never bled again. That is the goodness of God. And so I want to share with you five very significant effects of what happens when you put your praise on. When you put your praise on, what is the outcome? What can you expect to happen? And the first is this, praise brings in His presence. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, King Solomon had just completed the most daunting task of building a temple for the Lord. And having built the temple for the Lord, he called in the Israelites, he called in the priests. And then they made their offerings, they made their sacrifices. And then they began to sing praises to God. And when they sung their praises to the Lord, when they offered up their praises unto the Lord, this is how the Lord responded. So you look through the scripture, God sent forth a fire. It was a literal fire that came from heaven unto the temple and lit up the altar. The fire of God came down and the glory of God descended. And the glory of God that descended was so heavy, was so strong in its presence that no one could enter the temple. That's what happens when we give praises to God. When we put on our praise, we are drawing near to God. And this is what Scripture says, when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. So putting on your praise brings in the presence of God. When you put on your praise, it's attractive because God is attracted to your praise and He is drawn to where He is welcomed. When you put on your praise, you're saying, God, I welcome you into this situation. Lord, I welcome you into this conversation. Lord, I welcome you into this place. So when you put your praise on, the fire of God from heaven comes upon you and His glory will be felt. That's where we feel the presence of God because He is welcomed. Are you welcoming the Lord into your every situation? 
Because when you do that, it brings in the presence of God. Praise teaches us to turn our eyes away from our problems. Praise helps us to restore a right relationship with God. Because in Psalm 22, 3, we sang it just now, God inhabits in the praises of His people. God dwells in the praises of His people. So when you are praising the Lord in whatever circumstances that you are in, you are saying, God, I'm getting my relationship right back with you. I'm putting you first above all things. I'm saying you are the Lord of my life. So it is time in every situation, in all circumstances, to put our praise on because it brings in His presence. Praise changes your perspective. So in our human perspective, it's very physical. So often we are very uh, lean, we lean more towards what we can see, what we can feel. That's our natural response. But God is saying that I have a perspective that you need to t- take a look at. I have a perspective that you need to get a hold of. So in Psalm 13, You will read of how David expresses his most despairing and difficult and lonely moments. So what happened was that he is under pursuit by King Saul. And this time, King Saul is terribly angry with him. He wants to take his life. And so David has to flee. And the only time, it is at this time when he runs to Gath. So he has to leave his country. He has to leave a place where he's familiar. And he runs for his safety into Gath. And Gath is the place where Goliath was born. It is Philistine land. So he had to run into enemy territory. So being alone, being despaired, being abandoned, David didn't know what to do. And he expresses that loneliness, that abandonment, that disparity in the psalm. But the turnaround came when David began to praise the Lord. David wrote Psalm 13, how to overcome the feelings of despair, abandonment and loneliness when we are in a very dark situation that seems hopeless. When he began to praise the Lord, hope rose again in his heart. When he began to praise the Lord, his perspective began to change. Because praise teaches us this, to turn our eyes away from the circumstances, to turn our eyes away from the problem and to begin to fix our eyes on the author and the creator of our faith. When you begin to put your praise on, you turn from the problem and you begin to seek God for His purpose. And when you understand His purpose, then the perspective changes. Find yourself suddenly being comforted by the one who created you and understands your grief and your sorrow. You may feel as though you cannot praise God, but if you will just take a step toward praise, you will sense God's arms surrounding you. You know, your praise can be as simple as, to you, O Lord, I lift my soul, God, I trust in you. It can be simple. God doesn't require eloquence in your praise. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't need to be complicated. But the very simple praises that you live unto the Lord will do something to your current situation. So let praise steady your heart when trouble comes and gain God's perspective on your current situation. You have a God who loves you unconditionally, without condition. Nothing can stop His love for you. So draw near to Him 
and He will draw near to you. And that perspective will change when you put your praise on. Actually, the very first time that the word praise appears in the Old Testament in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 29, verse 35. And it comes in the form of a name. And that name is Judah. Judah means this. Judah means I will praise the Lord. Anybody here knows who is the mother of Judah? Siapa emak Judah? Anyone knows? This is also the mother of Levi and Simeon. Her name is Leah. And for the young people out there, this is not Leah from Star Wars. This is Leah, the sister of Rachel. So Leah, what happened was this. She was given to her husband Jacob, but in a scam. Really, it was quite a scam. So the father, Laban, had promised Jacob to betroth his daughter, Rachel. And in the Bible, Rachel is described as the more beautiful one. She had everything a man would like, you know. She was gorgeous. She was, you know, appealing. And she was, well, Jacob really would do anything for Rachel. And so he had worked seven years to marry Rachel. But on the day of the wedding, Laban switched Rachel with Leah. And Leah is described as someone with slanted eyes, which meant she had small eyes, and it was also to refer that she was not very attractive in comparison to Rachel. And so she married uh, Jacob, and within the week of marrying Jacob, Jacob worked out another deal with his father-in-law and married Rachel as well. And it is clearly stated in the Bible that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. If my husband were to do that to me, I don't think I would tolerate it so nicely. Lah. Okay? But <laughs> Leah, Leah obeyed the Lord. Leah honored the Lord. And she hung on to the circumstances that were against her, being told that she was not as loved, not as beautiful. But she honored God and she gave God her best. She never departed from her faith. And she began to continually praise God. Judah means I will praise the Lord. And so after four sons, she continued to give praise to the Lord despite of her situation and circumstances. When you praise the Lord, you open the channels of God's grace into your life. When you put your praise on, you're allowing the channel of God's grace to come in. Even for the most difficult most challenging, most unexpected, whatever it is that's unforeseen, the grace of God will carry you through when you put your praise on. And this is what happened for Leah. She continued to praise the Lord despite of it all. And God honored her by giving her the lineage of which the Messiah would be born to. So Judah, Judah is where the line of our Savior Jesus Christ is born to. And so to be the woman appointed and selected by the Lord to have such credibility in the Lord is something to be, to be honored. And so Leah learned this, that when she put on the praise of God, the channel of God's grace came into her life. His grace will be sufficient for you because in your weakness, His strength will be made perfect. Amen? Amen? Praise channels God's grace. And then we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And here is how praise turns the battle. 
So King Jehoshaphat is faced with a very dire situation. He got news, very alarming and sudden news, that the Moabites, Ammonites and the Munites, three different tribes have combined to form a very vast army. And they're coming in to attack the people of Judah. They're coming to attack King Jehoshaphat. And he did not know what to do because he did not anticipate this battle. He did not plan for this battle. He was taken by alarm and taken into shock. And so he began by inquiring of the Lord and drawing in the people of Judah to say, what shall we do? And when they inquired of the Lord, the prophetic word came to say that, do not worry. God responded to them and said, don't worry. This battle is not yours. I will fight this battle for you. And with that reassurance, with knowing that God is fighting the battle for them, this is what they did. In verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. So that was their strategy. That was their fighting weapon. They formed a line at the battlefield. They formed a line in face of a vast army and they began to sing praises to God. They sang praises to Him. They lifted praises to Him. And when they did so, this was the outcome. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Lord intervened and this enemy, the three tribes, began to fight themselves and all of them were defeated. The Bible records that not one survived that defeat. And so every one of the enemy was annihilated. King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah did not have to go into warfare. Physically, their warfare weapon was singing praises unto the Lord God Almighty. When you put your praise on, the battle turns around into your favor. I don't know if you are fighting battles today. You're in a situation where you're caught and you are not knowing what to do. It is time to put your praise on. Bring it to the Lord in praise. Bring it to the Lord in prayer and trust Him that He will turn the battle around for you. And finally, I bring you to Acts 16. And this is very exciting because it talks about how praise makes the way for miracles. Praise makes the way for miracles. Paul and Silas were on their way to a place of prayer. And as they were on their way, there was a, a little girl, a slave girl, who had a spirit of divinity. So a spirit of divinity is one like fortune-telling. And she was making her owners a lot of money by fortune-telling to the marketplace people. And so when she saw them, she began to shout out loud, saying that these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she repeatedly said that over and over again. Now, they are Jews in Roman community. So for them to be given such an attention would not be good for them. So Paul, in response, silenced the girl and casted out the demon spirit. He casted out the spirit. And so what happened was the slave girl lost the spirit of divinity and the ability to fortune tell. And so the owners lost their source of income and they became very, very angry towards Paul and Silas 
So what they did was they drew a crowd in, they brought them in, they began to hit and, and, um, and hurt Paul and Silas. They brought them to the authorities and condemned them. And so though, even though they were innocent, they were flogged, they were brutally beaten, and they were thrown into prison. And even when they were thrown into prison, uh, the authorities would then tell the jailer, that watch out for this man. If he can cast out a demonic spirit from a slave girl, they can do a lot of things. So ensure that they are kept, watched out and ensure that they are chained. So even their legs were chained up. They were shackled. So imagine being innocently walking through a marketplace and then you are beaten and then you are flogged and you are accused and you are thrown into prison and you are shackled. In that time, what was their response? It says here in the Bible that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Praise God! When they praise, a miracle happened. When you put on your praise, you are making the way for a miracle of God to take place in your life. Can I invite the worship team to come on stage, please? After Paul and Silas were released from prison, another miracle took place. The very jailer that shackled their legs and kept a watchful eye on them came to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and gave his life to Jesus. That is the miracle that happens when we give praises to the Lord. Lives get touched. Lives get saved for his glory. Amen. Amen. You are a miracle because God has saved us from death and given us life eternally. We don't praise God for the problem. It's not the problem that we praise. We praise God in spite of of the problem and in the midst of the problem because that no matter what the challenge we know that his love for us never fails our God is a good God he is a good God and his mercy endures forever when we consciously put on put on our praise for his goodness and mercy you will see his unmerited favor and unlimited power released in every situation that you're facing. Amen? It is time. Time to put your praise on. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, put your praise on. Put your praise on. If you're a young person, you can say, put your praise on, yo. Yeah? Put your praise on. You know, book of Hebrews teaches this. That is true, Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. There is a sacrifice to the praise that you bring to God. It may not be easy. It may take a lot from you. But when you turn to the Lord and you put on your praise, what you're doing is that you're inviting Him, you're inviting His presence to come into your situation. You're saying, God, give me your perspective. You're saying, God, I need your grace. 
Let me feel your grace. Let me experience your grace because I don't know how I'm going to go through this, but by your grace, it will be sufficient for me. You're saying, God, I don't know how to fight these battles and I'm tired. You may be tired from fighting battles, but God can turn the battle around in your favor when you put on your praise. And you are saying, God, I'm bringing my praise to you because I'm believing that in you, in you, my Lord, there are miracles. Miracles happen when we put on our praise. But it's going to take sacrifice. The author of Hebrews calls upon the praise of God, calls upon all of us to praise God for the hope we have. Even in the middle of everything gone wrong, he says, bring that sacrifice of praise. In the Hebrew, the word altar means that you bring a place of slaughter and a place of sacrifice. There is one consistent message throughout the book of Hebrew. That's this, that Jesus came to make a new way. He is the new covenant. He replaces the old covenant of the law. He is now the new covenant of grace. And through Him, we can always bring a sacrifice of praise. Now, as you know, in the Old Testament, every time they brought a sacrifice, whether it be an animal or a grain or um, uh, an offering of uh, from an offering that they were giving to the Lord, it cost them something. It had to be the best of their crop, the best of their flock. It was costly to bring those sacrifices to God. And in the same way, in these New Testament times, it's going to cost you and I something to bring that sacrifice of praise. But we are in a place where no longer do you need to bring dead animals to be sacrificed to the Lord. God is calling forth His people to bring a sacrifice from our lips. The sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips. Will you rise and join me this morning? In this message of putting our praise on, it is only appropriate that we take time to bring our praises to the Lord. Bring your praises to the Lord. Bring that sacrifice of praise to Him. And then whatever situation, whether it be good or hard, unexpected or unknown that our God, Lord God Almighty will bring forth His grace will bring forth His presence oh He will make that miracle happen for you